Hey, Tyler. Hey, Jay. So you have not necessarily won a contest, but Aww. the Lord has looked down upon you and has said you're doing just a bang-up job here on Earth, living the good life, and realized that this existence as we've had it uh, is really draft one. Yeah. That, that God has decided, you know, there were some improvements that could be made, and it's going to be exactly the same except... You can change two things about the world we live in. It can be human nature. It can be oh, physics. Man. You can change oh, I like any this two question. things. I like this question so much that I know whatever answer I give is not going to be sufficient because I'm going to think about this way longer. But I need to think of it now. So I can change two things? Two things. I was going to give you three, but I felt like that was too much. Uh, okay. Well, the um, Lord was going to give you three. So one thing that I would change is that um, you can eat <laughs> as much of and whatever you want, and it doesn't change your uh, physical stamina and physical abilities. I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if I, uh, and, and as a part B to that, because I, I want a second one. Is that once you get to a certain physical fitness, yeah. it never goes away. Yeah, right. You don't have you're to maintain there. that. Yeah, you hit a certain level, you it, it's just, you you've clocked up. You're there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then number two, I think um, hmm, maybe. Oh man, I just was thinking of all these selfish things. I was like, maybe no war. <laughs> <laughs> or things like that. People don't die. No, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, man. Okay, well, my it. other selfish thing is that uh, maybe not everybody, but at least I could get by on two hours of sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great, on a re- on a regular. I think two hours of sleep choice. a night. Would be and my, like you're totally idea. refreshed when you wake yeah, up. Yeah, full out, full on sleep. I'll take four hours of sleep. Four hours of sleep would be fine. Okay. Yeah. So twenty hours of day. Yeah. So if I go to bed at like two a.m., mm-hmm. wake up at six a.m. Yeah. That's that's in good shape. Yeah. Is that the time frame you would choose to sleep in that scenario? Uh, I I mean maybe. I mean, so uh, yeah. you can write the rules, so you can sleep at like one in the afternoon or what? Like, I would always sleep at night, okay. but I think because uh, I can't nap well. Hmm. But oh, I, buddy, I have the the hard um, dual attraction of I love being up late, yeah, and I really enjoy being up early. Yeah, I don't like waking up early, but I love being up early. Are so you? I, I like being on the fringes of the day. Yeah. Where, where no one else everyone, and so that's why I don't want it to be all humans can only have four hours just sleep. to you just me okay because I really like the productivity of getting things done while everybody else is asleep makes you feel like I'm just really knocking it out of the park because anything even if it's not very much it's like hey I could have been sleeping yeah right and all of this stuff feels really good I could be like playing a video game feeling like oh, I shouldn't be playing this video game but everybody else is sleeping so this is I, I, I'm not losing any time with anybody like this is all bonus time so you you enjoy both the wee hours of the morning and the late evenings. Yes. Would you classify yourself as either a morning person or a night owl? Yes. Yes to both. Yes. Okay. Just yes. I think that yeah. I I'm not grumpy in the morning. Okay. Like, uh, as a general rule, I'm sure I have been grumpy in the morning. <laughs> there have been days. Times yeah. in my life. But I'm not like one of those must have coffee before like I'm a nice person or things like right. that. Um, and I'm generally not too grumpy in the morning. Um, I'm a little groggy when I haven't gotten very much sleep, uh, which has been pretty consistently like the last 20 years. Um, but, uh, I really enjoy Like, and the hard thing is I'll be tired most of the day. And then once I get past like 10 o'clock, I start to wake up again. Yeah. And so if I don't go to bed right at 10 o'clock, which is like never, um, <laughs> then.
then I'm I'm already bouncing back. Yeah. Like uh, my body starts to shut down at like 9:45, between 9:45 and like probably 10:30. And if I get past that, then it's like, okay, we're waking back up. This is this is a rele- relevant mm-hmm. question that's just on the fringes of being relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you have done youth ministry, you still participate in youth ministry. Yeah. What's your favorite way to wake kids up in the morning? I am at a, the retreat at I'm the a, camp. I uh, so I'm not a fan of pranks. Oh man, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, uh, because we can get into that for a while. Maybe <laughs> we, we can get into it for this one. But yeah, uh, do we need to figure out our time? Uh, but I I generally don't. I found that if you wake kids up by being mean, that doesn't start the day well. Like, yeah, that's not a great. You're you're already starting off mean. It's a very fine line between mean and humorous yeah. and you have to hit it I, and that's what, yeah i like right. that sweet spot where the, people go like come on but then they can't help but be laughing yeah and so what my routine was i pick i would usually pick a very specific song uh-huh. that is hilarious yep. and then just have that i will turn that on very loud i mean as loud as my phone will go which is loud enough to wake people up and then just not stop it until everyone is physically out of the bed yeah and especially on retreats, that's a time like whenever I'm the leader on something like mission trips and stuff, I always try to be up before everybody else. Yeah. Like that's a really good one, because even if you're kind of being slow, you're already a little you're a couple steps ahead of everybody yep. else. So it looks like you know what you're doing. The engine's revved. Yeah. A little but bit, I yeah. also go to bed after everybody else. Right. That. So mission trips are oh, the clearly worst. times where you're not sleeping much. Yeah. Um, so one that I did was the uh, the Trollolo song. Do you know that? the Oh, that was my, like, probably for six years, that was my go-to morning wake-up. Because it yeah. starts off like, oh, yeah, 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 That's a funny one, because it loops. I mean, you just play that over and over again. And I would just play the song. I didn't play it as a re- as an alarm. I like played the song, and then yeah. we put it on repeat. And it kind of fades off, and people are like, "Okay." And then it starts back up, and they're like, "No, <laughs> just enough false yeah. hope." And again, it's enough that you can tell that it's a joke. Like yeah. it's not like I'm playing like a really loud like wake up song, or I'm coming in. Uh, I had a youth leader who would come in and sing really obnoxiously, uh-huh. like just go "Good morning to you." That's my go to. Yeah, and. It was funny a little bit, unless you were the one who was really asleep. Yeah. Like, if you were watching other people, then it was like, ha look at them. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't fun. And so this one I thought was a good one, that it's funny to the people who are awake. Yeah. And it becomes funny to the people who are asleep. And if you, if you, there are some people who still get grumpy about it, but it, everyone kind of just is like clear, like, this is funny. Like, you can't be mad yeah. at a funny song that's waking you up. I we used to do the Alive Music Festival, which is like Christian Woodstock. Yeah. And we would sleep in tents. And so one of my favorite things Wait, to like, do. Wait, like like you slept like really aggressively? Not intensely. Okay. In <laughs> the physical structure of tents. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh no matter how hard they tried, high school males have a hard time putting tents together correctly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, follow the so they always wake up in a pile of nylon. Well, what I do is come around and if they're not up at a certain time, I pull the stakes. That See, that's hilarious. Yeah. Cuz yeah. then the tent just folds in around yeah. them and A, they have to wake up now yeah. cuz they can't breathe and B, they don't know where to go while they're waking <laughs> up cuz they're surrounded by nylon. That's a really solid one. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, that's like a that. good one. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify that as a prank. I think no, that that's, that's just funny. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you went, if you like threw water on their tent or something like that, no. that'd be mean. Because then you know what the problem with that kind of prank is? If anything, I have to clean up later because mm-hmm. it's absolutely how it's going to go. They'll say, "Oh, that was funny." Well, good luck with that. Yeah, that's no good. Well, and that's what I mean to 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 dip into the prank a little bit. The the what I did. So I showed up. One of my my first uh, my first. Uh, youth ministry job as an ordained pastor. Mm. So I'd done a couple of ones before that, like when I was in seminary and stuff. Um, I was at a, an awesome church in North Carolina with an awesome bunch of kids, and they had a, a history of doing pranks and really elaborate pranks that were kind of like the classic, like uh, like TV kind of prank show type things, which are not like punked and stuff like that. Right. Like things that that targeted people were really funny, but. Yeah, ran the gamut of being. I like don't like pranks elaborate. where I don't like pranks where one person. Yeah, is the so, recipient. so I came in and said, "Here are the." He, uh, I'm not saying no pranks, but I'm I am telling you I don't like pranks. Uh-huh. So let's start with that. And here are the the parameters. If you do any kind of pranks, you cannot target a specific person. Yep, it, which includes you cannot. It can't just randomly target. Any, like you can't put something that will affect only one person. Right. So they can't put like saran wrap on the toilets. Right. Because that's not targeting anybody specifically, but for the person who that happens to, right. that is not fun. And by the by, I think another rule in that is you should be around to see your own prank yeah. happen. Well, yeah. although I do think some pranks are great when you don't get to see them. Well, yeah. But- so it was, So that's one. Like, yeah, I think the best prank is good enough that just knowing that it happened. Like, <laughs> to me, that's the best Satisfied, kind of prank. Satisfied, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, oh, I do have a really good prank that I did that I targeted my friend. I'll tell you in a second. So the, that's rule number one is is no targeting any specific people. Rule number two is you cannot damage anything. Right. Uh, and rule no number three is damage. that you every, anything that you do, you have to clean it yep. up. And you have to, and, and in a way that doesn't like slow the rest of us down. Or, so on a mission trip or something, if you're doing something and we're leaving at eight in the morning, yeah. everything has to be cleaned up by eight in the morning. Right. And, and if you pull pulling your all prank of, at 7.59. Yeah. And all of your stuff has to be packed up. Like you need to do it responsibly. And they, they responded well and yeah. they had some awesome pranks. Like it made their pranks even better. Like the best one that they had was that they, uh, on one of the mission trips, someone brought like 500 balloons. <laughs> and so it was the last night, all the guys stayed up and they let me know like, Hey, we're going to stay up. And by this point, I'd been there a couple of years. And so I trusted them enough to say, I'm going to go to sleep because I need to drive tomorrow. Yeah. And I said, you're good. And <laughs> I said, this. here's the rules of the pranks. Right. And they, yeah. they didn't even really tell me what they're doing. They said, it's not going to it's going to fit within your stuff and we'll clean it up and we'll be packed and ready to go. And I was like, OK, I can go to sleep. And they stayed up and they made videos of themselves, too. So like I saw it happening. But they're um, uh, they blew up all the balloons and then they created a funnel and put it in front of the girl's door so that when the girls opened the door, a hun- like 500 balloons just dumped into the room. <laughs> and it was hilarious in the sense that, I mean, it takes a long time to blow up 500 balloons. Yeah, that's and an you investment. Get, you get real tired yeah. after blowing up like a dozen balloons. And this was maybe, I mean, most of the guys, but it was probably like 15 guys blowing up all these balloons. Um, and then they they popped them all and cleaned them up like and it and they were ready to go like they That's they did a great job marvelous the the one prank that I did in college uh, just real quick uh, that that broke my own rule because I was talking to my friend so I went to a small uh, school in Western PA called Westminster College and uh, it was not far from where I lived and so I was an RA my uh-huh. last two years there and I was an RA exclusively so I could have my own bathroom I was gonna say you're you'd be a killer RA too yeah. That's good I, when I got the uh, the the honors hall it was oh, the sweetest yeah. ever yeah so That's i had a cushy gig oh it was great i had really great kids 
Uh, they were all, and and you had to have a certain GPA to remain on the honors hall. Oh man! And I just kind of told him like, "Hey, here's what it is, uh, <laughs> and you can come hang out here." Like I didn't do very much, but like everybody, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I was an RA almost exclusively just so I could have my own room and my own bathroom, and uh, and it was great. And I would take naps in the shower. It was oh, awesome. Like it, yeah. so. But that's anyway. Uh, my my other friend Matt was an RA, and he was a couple floors above me, and he had been on my floor the year before, so uh-huh. he had he was a, he had some experience. Yeah. I mean, like he he was a freshman on my floor when I was a junior. Like he was on the honors hall, so he yeah. became an RA the next year, and he was a really good RA. He really worked hard, and I was not. I just kind of <laughs> did the bare minimum to get my free room, and uh, he had a hall of all football players who were all like real jerks. Yeah. Like, and he had rough, and he was working hard to like build relationships with them and like really try to make their thing good. And like, he had his door open all the time, and people would come and hang out, and he had earned this trust with him. And it was a dry campus, yeah. So we weren't allowed to have alcohol. There's a, but there's a ton of alcohol. I was say, so much dry campus. Yeah. So one of the main jobs then of the RAs was to make sure that you didn't have alcohol with you did you do like proactive checks or um like- no i mean like we just if you were walking uh with a a jingling backpack <laughs> out of the dorm at 11 <laughs> o'clock on a friday night then we would stop you yeah but basically and and we just pretty much had a policy of just don't be an idiot so if right. you're gonna have a party in the dorm we're gonna go in there and write you up and then dump out all your beer or yeah. make you dump out all your beer um and if you can get it if you can get away with it then we're not going to search you. Right. Yeah, just be re- somewhat responsible or at least discreet about it. Drink yeah. it somewhere else. Drink yeah. it at the frat houses. So, um, when I because I lived close, I, whenever it was like a a holiday or something, I would stay behind and I would always be the one who closed up because somebody had to be there to close up to like go through all the rooms and make sure everybody's out. Yeah. And the job is you just unlock every room and just call in there and just look in there. You are legally not allowed to like search the rooms, or right? Anything. Right, right. And so it was not a time to like search for alcohol. Just poke and stuff. your head in and be like, "Hey, you here? No, good. exactly." Yeah. But <laughs> being a twenty-one-year-old kid uh, who's just curious, I would every room that I went in, I would look in the refrigerator just to see, yeah, and not to do anything about it, not to like remember like, "Haha, this went," but just to see like, what who, do you keep who, in your fridge? It's like your own uh, yeah, MTV cribs, yeah, and and really to see who had alcohol, but also just to see like who's pulling it off, and like every once, I mean, a lot of times I'd found alcohol and be like, I never would have guessed these guys had alcohol. Way to go, you guys! Yeah, like, right. You, you're. You're you're fulfilling the contract of like just don't tell don't me about ask, it. Don't tell. Yeah, <laughs> and but if I when I went into uh, uh, a room that had more than let's say six beers in it, yeah, I would take one <laughs> and put it in a bag, not for me to drink because right. I think I've established I didn't drink in college, especially. Um, uh, and so I just collected a bunch, and then and I after I'd done the whole cycle of the whole dorm of like uh, like three hundred rooms or something, I had probably. I mean, like a case and a half worth of beer. <laughs> and so I went to my friend's room, uh-huh. the RA, and I put it all in his refrigerator. Yes. And then didn't say anything about it. And so knowing, because again, he's an awesome RA. Right. He tries really hard. He's got a really hard group of kids who he's had to bust <laughs> almost every one of them for having alcohol. Yep. And he has an open door policy, yep. which people will come into his room, sometimes get a Gatorade out of his fridge. And so he comes in and this is... <laughs> This is like East, like Christmas break. So it's like a month and a half later. Yeah, right. And I had forgotten that I had done it. And he, um, he comes into my room furious, and he's like, "What? How did you do that?" And first, I'm like, legitimately, like, "What are you mad about?" And he's like, "I know you put that in there." And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." 
and immediately he would, did yeah, I immediately, immediately I knew it, and it was so funny the and and he that said like I what am I supposed to do I, like I was so he didn't know what to do with all that beer he's got a fridge full of beer and he can't take it out and like throw it in the garbage because if any of his guys see him right. carrying beer to the garbage they're gonna be like you hypocrite <laughs> and he can't leave it in there because they come in and just take stuff so he right. had to slowly like it was like uh, the Shawshank Redemption how he just like. <laughs> Pockets, handfuls of dirt, yep. and you just like put a couple in his just pockets, a little just bit like saunter out, dump it in the garbage, and then saunter back in. And it was so good. And it and I kept just saying like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he was getting more and more mad. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was a prank that uh, I definitely targeted him, but only he and I knew about it. And it was, but I didn't have to be there to see it. So just knowing, <laughs> just enough. And there, had I been there to see it, the reaction would not have been as good yeah. because. Uh, it he was more right fun. Away. Well, and it's more fun knowing him stressing because he would have like yelled at me and be like, "You have to be, like take these out." And, right? Yeah. This is too long anyway because it's way off the topic yeah. I originally started with. But this was one of my favorite youth group pranks. We were at the Live Music Festival, which is apparently where we do our best work. Yeah, it's it's uh, the it's where a lot of your stories come from. <laughs> we're camping out overnight, and this one boy who is huge. I mean, like six nine, just immensely tall human being. Yeah. Not the kind of guy you would think would have like random fears. Yeah announces at a campfire that he is afraid of Bigfoot. Oh. <laughs> that he has some unbelievable fear. That's a, that's a hilarious thing to be afraid of when right. you're six nine, especially. Because right. you kinda are Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Like so yeah. So he just he is I don't know if it's a competition thing or what, but he doesn't like Bigfoot. Yeah. Two things that made this prank beautiful. One, Elise, Ed's wife, was driving up that night to be there the next day. Yeah. So we had somebody coming. <laughs> and two, because we're Westminster and had a ludicrous youth budget at the time, we were the owners. We had already bought, not knowing this, a Bigfoot costume. Oh, man. So we called Elise real fast and said, stop at the church, get the Bigfoot costume, and bring it with you. So the next night when he gets to go to bed, we all pull him over to the campfire to ask him a question. Ed hops in the Bigfoot costume and crawls into his sleeping oh, bag. And Ed's like what, like six five? He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, <laughs> the big kid says, "All right, I'm going to bed." And everybody just stops what they're doing and watches him go to the tent. He unzips. Oh man, he's in there for two seconds, and then you hear, "No, no, 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 no!" Oh. And he takes off running into oh, the no. woods. <laughs> It was beautiful. That is that's so great, especially because it doesn't end up with him like breaking Ed's nose. Yeah, right. Which or, was a possibility. Or running breaking his nose by running into a tree. Yeah. Or never coming back no, to the youth group. No again. one no yeah. one was harmed in the making yeah. of this. Actually we got him with another one later. But nice. you know what? We should actually Wait, I got one more. That's okay, really good. Okay, this one's right. really good. So this is when I was a teacher. Uh so I, I was a teacher for four years, taught uh high school. I just uh, this one's funny. Um and uh uh yeah, taught uh, U.S. history, world history, uh, largely like in a couple different places, but I was in Chicago at this point, outside of Chicago. And I had gotten a digital watch, like a really cheesy, like metal springy band, like it yeah. was a Casio kind of. <laughs> awesome. And I made a huge deal out of it. And I, like I told everybody, I was like, this watch is so high tech and it's called the Digitron 2000. All the kids are like, <laughs> What? And I was like, yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. Look at it. you can. And I was like, it's got a stopwatch on it. <laughs> like saying all these features that are not impressive. Yeah, right. And then I said, and it, and and it tells time. Yeah, and it's got this feature. It's got a transponder in it. And they're like, what's a transponder? These are all ninth graders. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a ninth grade, like a like an honors class. And um, <laughs> so it's like it's got a transponder in it. And they're like, what's that? And it's like it's got. So I can give it to somebody else, and they can put it in their watch, and I can talk to them back and forth. <laughs> 
And like, what? No, it doesn't. And before class started, uh-huh. I had told another class, another teacher who had a prep, had like a free period during that. I said, <laughs> at 11 or at, yeah, 1126, I want you to come into my room. Mm-hmm. Like I called you on my watch. And he just, he was great because he's like, got it. <laughs> no questions yeah, No asked. questions. Yeah. And so I, uh, and it just tr- turned it. So I was like, yeah, it's got a transponder on it. And, and, uh, they're like, what? No, that doesn't work. I was like, no, it's great. And it was like, here you go, Mr. Maine, come here. I need you. Put my watch to my mouth. And, uh, like five seconds later, he just walked in <laughs> holding his watch. He's like, you just call me. <laughs> and all the kids are like, What? That's amazing. How do you do that? And then the next, so the next day they're like, call that guy on your phone again, on your watch. And I was like, ah, this thing's dumb. It broke, it broke. already. <laughs> and one time The deal. one other thing with that is that there was, uh, so the same thing, he would sometimes, the same teacher uh, for another class, sometimes he would just, um, he would be walking through the hall and he would just stick his head in and look at me and say, usually he'd say some line from like a few good men or something. <laughs> He's like, so if you, if you're the commander and you have all the rules, uh, and your rules are obeyed. Uh, why did you order the code red or something like that? He's like, and I'd, I'd be like, you want the truth? He's like, I want answers. <laughs> Do you want answers? Do you want the truth? Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Oh. So we just go back and then he just leave. And uh, or I would go into his office, or his room sometime and be like, hey, that box of knives you ordered are down in the office. <laughs> like, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, yeah but just yeah. things like that. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, the, the, you know, there's that 500 uh, box of Pop-Tarts you ordered. He's like, no, it's Twister Trudels. He's like, it's Pop-Tarts. Like, well, send them back. Send like, it it's, back. Not my, it's not my problem. And just like interrupting each other's class periods. And so one time he came in and started talking and then walked out. And there was one kid in the front who was like this sweet little innocent kid. He's like, who was that guy? And I just said, you saw him too? I've been seeing him all day and nobody else can see him. And immediately everyone in the class like got it. Because again, it was an honors class. And everyone in the class, and, it's, and he was like, what? That guy's not real? And I I said to everybody in the class, and we kind of like, it was this, I gave him a quick scan of like, play along. And I said to everybody else in the class, did you see that guy? And everybody, with like 30 kids said, no, we did what not see him. And the, the little kid in the front was like, what's going on here? So... To everybody who lets us be in charge of teenagers <laughs> on any level at all, I'm Jay. And I'm Tyler. And this is Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. exactly remember it. yeah yeah well what was what do you what do you recall about that well i was riding a bike yeah and i didn't have training wheels on. <laughs> now, riveting we lived in uh glenside pa mm-hmm. which is uh, a suburb of of uh philadelphia mm-hmm. um we i only lived there from age like four to seven or yeah. something like that like three or four years um, and I just remember riding on this bike. It was a hand-me-down. It was a, like had a banana seat, mm-hmm, one of those mm-hmm, like kind of mm-hmm. wonky handlebars. Um, and I remember like one of my parents was behind me and I was riding the bike. And then I was like, you can let go now. And then I heard them <laughs> shout from way back there. He's like, I let go a long time ago. I already did. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents are old prospectors. <laughs> I have been walking with you for a long time. 
and uh, and then I realized I was like 50 feet away and I was like I did it and and then I and then all of a sudden I could ride a bike like that was yeah. it. like just that that kind of confidence and they had been working with me for a little bit but I remember feeling like that thing where they're pushing you and and I like I viscerally remember the feeling like okay I think I can do it and realizing I had been doing it it was like Dumbo <laughs> when he's flying and yeah. realizes that he the feather did not count yeah so I don't remember the first time, oh. the moment without training wheels. Yeah. But I remember bikes have been a part of my life from the beginning. Yeah. And I'm going to tell a bit of a story to get us to a point. So hang, hang with me. Do it. I just gave you a thumbs up. So in case that, <laughs> that translated well. It does take a while to realize that audio, it, yeah, it doesn't see I, us. By the way, I just want to comment. I'm drinking blueberry coffee. Yeah? It's so good. Really? Yeah. I'd be interested in that. Well, you can't have it. Okay. I've got uh, strawberry guava diet Coke. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, from I, my, wait, I can hear it. From my snack drawer. You need to come down and see so the here, snack wait, drawer I've constructed. Here, here's what strawberry guava Coke sounds like. Here's what uh, blueberry coffee sounds like. Oh, I just got it all over myself. <laughs> that was incredible to okay. watch. Okay, so let's hear your story. So I, I've always had bikes as part of growing up. I remember my first neighborhood in uh, Churchill. Yeah. They had a bike parade every year. Ooh. It was around 4th of July, and it was literally from the top of the block to the park at the end of the block and it was like you should start this song or this story just by saying when i was a young man my father <laughs> here comes the bike parade it comes by bike parade uh so we would ride to the park and 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 that was an incredible thing and then i think it was one year after the bike parade i was like hey i'm going to the park by myself on my bike Ooh. And my parents were like yeah that's fine how old were you again this would have been sub 10 this would have been like nine oh eight or nine that is sub 10 it checks yeah. out yeah right yeah. bartleby got nothing on that i got my yeah. abacus here let me see <laughs> yeah yeah that's right. nine nine equates but that was a really really cool experience right to be able yeah. to go on your bike by yeah. yourself to the park no parents around yeah just hanging out like that was a very freeing Thing. And so, like, bikes have always been part of growing up. Like, yeah. even in high school, there were a couple times I'd ride my bike to school, which was, like, three or four miles away. Ooh. Um, yeah. Like As a as a little kid. In high school. Okay. High schooler. Yeah. yeah. Um, but still, like, just loved being yeah, on the yeah, bike. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of years, Sarah and I get married. The bike has been forgotten in the college, oh. the post-college J-ness. Sadness. Yeah. I think what it was, I had a bike stolen in college, and oh. then I just never replaced it. Was it? Did you have a nice bike in high school? I had a Diamondback Sorento, Ooh. which at the time was yes, but nice. A Kia Diamondback Sorento? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Kia stole the name. <laughs> this bike existed before Kia was a thing, Yeah, um, but it was green, and it had red handlebar grips. Nice. So it was a super outdoorsy. So not a Huffy? No, no. This okay. was like a legit- I was all Huffy until college. Yeah. No, I had this was a nice mountain bike. Yeah. This was this was the real deal. But then I got jacked. And uh so that happened and went away. When so we, that's the one advantage the anti theft device of a Huffy is that it <laughs> no says one Huffy wants on it. it. <laughs> yeah. Be like, oh a free bike. Oh wait a minute. It comes with a free lock. <laughs> yeah. What's the what's the lock? It's the brand. It's, it says Huffy on yeah. the side of it. <laughs> So it got stolen in college, and then uh, Sarah and I got married, mm -hmm. and uh, she felt- As a result of that? No. You're <laughs> like, well, I've got no more bikes. I might as well- <laughs> Time to put well. down yeah. roots. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, when Sarah and I got married, she had felt that because I invested money in giving her an engagement ring, she wanted to invest in something to give to me. Oh, nice. And so she bought me the new model of nice. Diamondback Sorento. Nice. So like brand new, super nice everything. Yeah. Great bike. 
If I did not know, by the way, just the phrase Diamondback Sorrento, if you like, I'll give you five guesses as to what that is. Uh, I I would go through at least 10 guesses before bike came <laughs> yeah. up. It just yeah. seems like. Yeah. I also, just as, a, as an aside, I also gave Adrian a bike for our wedding. Really? Yeah. How about that? That was our we- my wedding gift to her. Here's, like. This is, again, a tangent, yeah. but a relevant one. Uh, I, I have struggled because the Diamondback Sorrento, actually, the more I've gotten into cycling, mm-hmm. is actually a terrible bike. Oh. Like, Diamondbacks are awful. Did she know that? Maybe she was trying to give you a crappy gift. No, she knew that I had the Diamondback okay. Sorrento when She's I was trying to replace it. Right. Yeah. Um, she was fixing that hole in your heart. But now, this is the opposite of Weezer for longtime fans of the oh. pod. Is it a good bike now? Diamondback has been getting really good, oh. and I'm having this struggle of like, but you were, you were awful, yeah. And now you're. It's as if somebody came up and been like, Huffy put out a really good bike this year, yeah. Well, I would believe it. I would. I I'm back on the Huffy train. <laughs> I myself have become Huffy as I've gotten older. <laughs> I have become Huffy. Yeah. So anyway, so Sarah got me this nice bike, and then again, it sat in the garage for a long time. Yeah. And we moved. Does um, Does Sarah is Sarah a bikeist? No, not at all. Is that it? Is that what it's called? Cyclist, biker, cyclist. If you really want to get bicicletas, yeah. (laughs) If you really want to get down to it, Uh, but then why is it not bicyclist? I think that's the long, long form. Uh, Okay, for the rest of this podcast, I insist on you saying bicyclist. Okay, bicyclist. But right. with the emphasis on bi. Okay. Oh boy. Bicyclist. Because <laughs> otherwise, you might have been an unicyclist. Uh, yeah. There's people. There's a whole community of unicyclists. I know, and there it's a real weird community. It they, is. Brought, they juggle too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we moved to a house uh, that is one mile away from this office that I work in. Oh, nice. And so I get to the point where I'm like, okay, one mile. Yeah. I can do one mile. Yeah. Uh, so I get the bike back out. Fix the tires, you know, do the 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 maintenance on it, yeah. and I take off and start biking to work. And there is one downhill, so like as soon as I start, I'm like, oh, yeah, cycling is, is, great. is great. Excuse <laughs> me, bicycling is really great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for for adhering to the rules. I'm floating down this hill, and I'm going, yeah. And then you turn and come up the high school. Oh, and it's abysmal. Yeah, I made it maybe two thirds of the way up, and had to get off and walk. Oh uh, yeah. The walk of shame because yeah. like school buses full of the kids I minister to are watching my fat yeah, butt yeah. walk my bike Aww. up the hill. I can't get up. Awful. But, you know, keep doing it, keep doing it, yeah. keep doing it. Eventually, I'm climbing that hill. And the, the one nice thing about that is that on the way home, that's the good hill. Oh, it's a great hill yeah. to and this on, day. And the, the, the first hill is the bad hill on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. To this day, I still ride that hill coming out of the high school every day. Yeah. I love coming down and, that And thing. it's great going home. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Not so great coming here. So I get to a place where I'm biking to work every day, my one mile in, one mile out. Yeah. And I'm sitting around a dinner with a group of friends. And my one friend says, what have you been doing? And I'm puffing my chest up real big. Yeah. I'm a bicyclist. <laughs> right? I didn't say it that way, but yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I'm the, I'm the real deal, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I bike to work every day. At, were, were you the, the tight clothing at this point? No. Okay. No. Farthest from it. Because that's, that's what qualifies someone as an actual cyclist is when they're wearing the skin tights. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Hang the colorful there. birthday suit, let's call it. Yeah, right. The, the <laughs> lack, the, the leave no no stone unturned. Not a single <laughs> yeah. stone. The intimate. So my buddy, who I've known since middle school and is really good at calling people out on their stuff, yeah. looks at me and says, oh, well, I'm doing this ride in a couple months for uh, MS to raise money for MS research. Yeah. It's 150 miles over two days. You want to go? Now, I'm a red-blooded American. I've been called out, yeah. puffing my chest. What's the correct answer? 
Yes, of course I of will course, do your 150 yeah. mile. And you're a, a youth minister, which also adds to the bravado right. of being challenged. Right. As soon as someone throws down the gauntlet, yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, I guess I'm going. Yeah. So that led to a whole bunch of uh, buy a new road bike instead of a mountain bike. Oh, so you were like doubling down financially on this. Yeah. Yeah. Get the skin. Now I'm a real cyclist. Get yeah. the Lycra, get the whole deal. Yeah. Right. And I go and I finish that first ride. And were you getting the yellows at this point? The Livestrongs? I have. Yeah, to my shame. All in. Well, to everybody's shame. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I still have a couple of Live Strong shirts. Yeah. There was a time when my whole kit yeah. was Live Strong. Certainly. Like, oh. Yeah. But did that first ride. And cyclists, excuse me, bicyclists, yeah. have this weird thing. Thank you. Uh, they have this love affair with suffering. Yes. And, and to a point, the, the, the app I use to track rides, one of the metrics they have is called a suffer score. Ah. Where they measure your heart rate and how hot it was outside and like all this oh, stuff. Oh, jeez! And like the hot, the more pain you were in during the ride, the higher your suffer score, and well, that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> for for this bicyclist yeah. community, agree, agree to disagree, but I'll I'll with you. Right. Yeah. So what happens? Oh, wait, for the, the community, no, agree to agree. Right, I'm, I'm with you. Right, no, the cycling I will not tell the community what they can believe. Right, no, they for sure love suffering, and will do the whole like, how big was your snowman thing of like. I rode for 45 minute, miles yesterday, and it was all uphill, and the wind was in my face both ways, and yeah. it was terrible. And then yeah, the yeah. next guy's like, well, yeah, well, I did 75, yeah. So, like, they get excited by a lousy forecast. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's going to be sweltering. Yeah, and to this to this day, my little piece of this is I think I ride better in the rain ah. than I do when it's clean out. Ah. Because I'm so focused on how bad I'm suffering in the rain yeah. that I'm not thinking about how much everything hurts. Yeah. Okay. So I brought, like I've, I've looked at stats. I do legitimately think I ride faster yeah. when it's raining outside. Because you're focused. Yeah. You're just focused on this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Get it over yeah. with. Get yeah, it yeah. over with. Get it over with. So I knew I was a bicyclist when I got to the end of that first ride, 150 Again, miles. kudos to you for sticking with the bicyclist. I'm not I, letting I go. I have already forgotten about it that you're doing. Yeah. Again, you throw down a gauntlet. Yeah, you're I'm going to pick it up. You're great. Uh so I get to the end of this first ride, 150 miles over two days, and I'm what? a wreck. Like so you it, did it, though. I did it. You you got to the end. Mm -hmm. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah. I'm miserable. Yeah. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. My legs are killing me. Was this in Pittsburgh? It was. It starts in um, Zelenople. Okay. And goes all the way up to Lake Erie. Oh, so like it's all north. It's not. None of it's in the city. This no, isn't yeah. the Dirty Dozen or anything no. like that. No. Oh, man. Yeah. So from that moment on, like miserable, wrecked, and yeah. sat down to eat way too much pizza, because when you ride, you can yeah. you just shove Car food in there. Carbo load, yeah. And saying, "What's the next ride?" Like I was just hooked. <sighs> yeah. Right. Well, you you had accomplished it. Yeah. Yeah. So this all gets to this is all story getting to a point. When is tell me again when this when like roughly what what this was right after we got married. This would have been. Nine years ago, okay, something like that. Um, and as I got into it more and more, new bikes, new clothes, new yeah. toys, new everything. Yeah. Right, I'm I'm heavily invested. And this summer in particular, I have a whole lot of events coming up yeah. that I'm training for. Yeah. So like training is make yourself suffer now, so that hopefully it sucks a little bit less when you're doing the event. Um, but so that brings us all to this current season. Yeah. Last Wednesday night, which I we're not timing these at all. We're putting times on it. Yeah. A few days ago, let's well, do there, that. There's Wednesdays every week, so That's this could true. be any That's Wednesday. True. Yeah, you and I were at the same meeting yeah. down on the north side. Yeah, and absolutely. I had, I had ridden my bike there because I'm training for a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so like, got to put miles in, got to suffer, got to get. 
And I got to a point where I was crossing back over the Fort Duquesne Bridge, coming from north side to Is that how you say it? I've been saying it Duquesne all this no, time. No, that's not it. It's not Duquesne? No. <laughs> Classic Pittsburgh joke. <laughs> but that's the incline. It's called the Fort the, the Duquesne Incline. No, right? that's the Duquesne Incline too, no. everybody. What's du, what's Duquesne Duquesnes? Duquesnes. Dukes, Dukes, Dukes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm coming across the bridge and it's night. Yeah. And it's clear. And Pittsburgh, I think, it, of all the cities in the in the world, has figured out how to unveil itself oh, in traffic yeah. better than anybody else. Yeah, when you come through the tunnel, especially, oh it's like bam. Yeah, it's it's a movie. But it's from anywhere. And like, even, yeah, when you come from the north side mm-hmm. uh, or the North Hills, you come around that corner. It's like city. Yeah. Like and it's yeah. There, it's got great reveals yeah. from every. It's like Disney World. Like it, Disney World. Both Disney World and Disneyland were designed to unveil like a movie yeah. starting. So you that's why when you walk under the train station at either one it's designed to hide everything. Yeah. The train station is effectively there just to keep the castle from being seen from outside. Yeah. So when you walk in you walk under a tunnel and it comes out and it's like pop and the whole the ground is red because it's supposed to be like a red carpet. Yeah. Uh like going into a movie theater. So the Disney or um, uh Pittsburgh has that. Yeah. So I come around the bridge and I'm sitting in one of these reveals. Nice. And stopped in the hot middle of the road. Because it was just so good and so beautiful and so wonderful, yeah. That like I caught myself going, "What am I doing?" Yeah, with all this suffering yeah, yeah. and training yeah. and go 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 go. And so all of that is by way to say, to get us to the question, yeah, what keeps us from wonder? Oh, was the thought that hit me on the bridge, staring at the city in this beautiful clear night. Yeah, I have been training. I'm up to 400 something miles this year so far. Yeah. So 400 miles, 400, well, 399 miles. Yeah. We're just get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. Go, go, go. Suffer, make it hurt, make sure it hurts more. That one spot I hit and had this moment of wonder. And it, I care more about that one mile than I do any of the 399 that preceded it. Yeah. And I was sitting there going, we should talk about this on the podcast. Yes. So yes. What, what is the theology of wonder? I love this has taken root now mm. that that uh, in our in our real lives IRL. Yeah. We are thinking, ooh, we need to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. That that needs to come up. Yeah. Oh, this is good stuff. I so I mean, we talked about this before. I I mean, first we talked about it a little bit with uh, when you were traveling on that trail mm-hmm. that uh, the Montour trail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that you ride on it so much that you forget about it. Yeah. And we've also talked about the dichotomy of uh, kind of the purpose of life, uh, the Christian life, but not just the Christian life. As Christians, we recognize this. That's the purpose of life for everybody yeah. is to wander with an A and to <laughs> to wonder yeah. with an O. Yeah. And that uh, when Jesus says that we need to have faith like little children, it's not to say that we have a naive faith right. or a simple faith, but a faith that is fueled. I wonder that that's why little kids ask why is that they see the world around and they're like, wow, look at this bug. I want to touch it. I want in on that. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter the other day um, found a toad and immediately just picked it up. Yeah. (laughs) And fearless. Yeah. And she's uh, eight years old and like at the age where girls distinguish themselves as like there are certain things that girls don't do and that boys do. Right. And, uh, and she's not, um, I feel like we've hit the target right on the head in that she 
is a girl who likes girly things to, I mean, for whatever, what that means, but doesn't like princesses. She's anti-princess. Yeah. And I'm okay with being anti-princess because I think princesses are a terrible thing to glorify and to tell your kids that you should be. Um, But that, that sense of like that she still, when she hikes, she wants to pick stuff up. And a lot of that she gets from her mom because like, uh, Adrian again. I think I'd said before she had been a herpetologist, and yeah. in one of her like <laughs> dozen different amazing jobs she's done, and so she can go on a hike in the woods and just like know exactly like she'll pick up a a, a log and find a salamander. Yeah, which and I mean I was thirty years old before I ever saw a salamander <laughs> in real life because really? I, yeah I mean just like they're hard to find. They're, yeah. they're well they're always ax- under rocks yeah. and stuff, yeah. and you can kind of accidentally find it, but especially salamanders are good at like squirting away, yeah. and so. Like I found lots of snakes and stuff and and things like that, but a salamander, like you got to really like be on it. So that sense of wonder of just like being in a place and and stopping to say this is amazing. Yeah. The I mean the nice thing about Pittsburgh is that it gives you plenty of oh man opportunities for it's that. It's just a beautiful city. Yeah. And that's I, I was thinking the other day about which confession is it that says the chief end of man is to glorify God. That's uh, Westminster Confessions uh, yeah. question number one in the Catechism. What yeah. is the chief end of man? It's to glorify, to glorify God, God. And, pr- and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And Beautiful. We, and I, 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 this is where I heard it. My new boss uh, had said, we are really good at the first one yeah, and not so good at the second. Yeah. Like the church does a really good job of putting on worship services and prayer activities and like, let's glorify God. Let's yeah. praise him. Or even the way we talk to like youth group kids. I just did a series on vocation. Um, so like, how do you have a, a job that glorifies God? Yeah. Which is part of the equation. But the second half of yeah. how do you enjoy God? How do you take those moments to like stop suffering? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stop pushing yourself through it and say, wow, there's a toad. Well, and there's a thing about, or even wow, there's a Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm right. going to stop right here. Mm-hmm. Well, don't, uh, don't do that on the Fort Pitt Bridge because yeah, yeah, you yeah. will get rear-ended <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah. Dude, how, how long did it take you before someone honked at you? I was on the walkway. Oh, so okay. I was oh, good. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was clear. Uh, just pedestrians walking by going, honk. Yeah, yeah right. Just Beat moving it. around. Yeah. Put some clothes on. <laughs> I wasn't wearing the Lycra that <laughs> okay, night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, the, I think um, the well, one in terms of that sense of vocation, I someone had told me this one time, but I, it struck so much that I've just kind of adopted it. That's the best thing, the best teachers and, and preachers and things. You, you take the things you've learned and you make them your own. Yeah. On a level that's uh, assimilating into a, a common understanding. So, and you try to remember where they came from but you don't always so this was from somewhere but it's talking about like what am i supposed to do with my life like basically vocation and and it's it's the intersection of three things it's something that you are good at Mm -hmm. something that you enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and something that helps other people yeah and whatever intersects with those three things that's what you're supposed to do now some people will add and it makes money but that shouldn't matter because you can if it doesn't make money (laughs) You can get something else that will make money that yeah. will still like sometimes your vocation is not what your job is. Right. It's great if that's what your job can be. But sometimes you're you may have uh, there's a lot of baristas yeah. whose whose goal in life is not to serve coffee to people. Now, yeah. they may love being a barista. And now for some people, that's it. And that doesn't demean the job. You can no. still enjoy your job and stuff. But, no, that's but there are people that have now. the side hustle yeah. to feed the vocation. And yeah. even like. Uh, I in that talk with the high school kids, I brought up Parker Palmer's quote: "A vocation is the thing you can't not do." Yes, 
Yeah. That, that like you are just driven to. And there's a lot of people who do, who are really good at things that help people, mm-hmm. but they do not like doing them. Yeah. And so then that's not your vocation. That's not it. And it doesn't mean that the thing that you're, voca- I mean, there are times that you won't like it. There are times that in any, in any job or any calling, it's going to be hard at times. That yeah. doesn't mean that it's nonstop fun, but ultimately when you are doing it, it brings you joy. Yeah. And there are, there are points like, like riding a bike, like even though the bike is hard, you enjoy it yeah. at, on the whole. Like yeah. it's, it's not something that is only good when you're done with it. Uh, this, I always, there was a part of the interesting thing about getting old is that you have like two mental lists of things that I will, that I might do one day. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, there's only that there's things that I've That's done it. and things that I might do. Yep. And, uh, and those are the only two lists you have. And you hit a certain age where you start to realize there's a third list and it's things that I'll never do. Yep. And, uh, I'm hitting that point that, that this things that I might do one day is basically just turning into things that I'll never do. Hmm. And which is really sad. And yeah, part of tough. it is, is reality. Like I'm never going to be an astronaut. Like I just kind of <laughs> realized that at this point, uh, I'm probably not going to travel in time. Like all the all the things, don't give up yeah. hope yet. I'm not giving up hope yeah. on that because it has to do with somebody else allowing me. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah right. finding a Doc Brown who will <laughs> want me to film him do the stuff. Oh, yeah, that was a reference to a movie that you're not as I familiar haven't seen with. It yet. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it was Back to the Future. I'm horrible. Um, but and, and some of that is is okay. But one of those things was like run a marathon has always been on my list. Like mm-hmm. just I feel like I should probably do that. <laughs> Because like that'd be a nice accomplishment, except for the fact that I hate running. Yeah, I hate every. I don't like it before I do it. I don't like it while I'm doing it. I don't like it after. That's such an incredible example of all this. Because last year, I was watching my good friend Ed yeah. did an Ironman. Yeah, and I was like, I need to kick it up a bit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm doing the bike thing, and that's great. I'm going to run a half marathon. Yeah. And so I trained all winter, run, run, run on treadmill. Hated every minute of yeah. it. Yeah. Suffered the whole way through it day of the race comes did the first half of the half marathon okay yeah and then fell apart and walked the last two miles yeah and i got to the end of that and went i'm never doing that again yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i did this thing and i think and I could, out. yeah and i could probably do a 5k which is not much no, that's but that's easy. still something yeah. like and that's about as long as i think i can enjoy more than walking yeah but i like walking i just right. need to do that like so it's fine and it's not I think that we have a hard time, especially with physical things, like exercise and stuff like that, that we feel like it should hurt. Mm-hmm. It should be something that that is good for you. And all of these, and we feel like, well, if I'm going to exercise, I should be able to run a marathon. And if I can't run a marathon, then I'm just not ready for it. Yeah. And same thing with your bike thing. Even like that you weren't a real cyclist, bicyclist. Bicyclist. Until you had done this race. Right. And clearly you were real enough that you could finish the race and that you enjoyed the training of it like that it didn't it wasn't um it wasn't just torturous the whole time and i think there are things in life that like are like that that like so i did this half marathon and i suffered and i hated it and i never went back again i suffer way more in cycling yeah but i love it yeah and that's there's some little switch in there it's a mental thing of oh no this is terrible let's keep going yeah well, and there's that good pain. Yeah. Like that, the, I, you had said when I first came in today that you were, you were hurting mm-hmm. because you had kind of pushed yourself too hard on the bike, Yeah, but you didn't say like, oh, I need to like, it wasn't this, I need to rethink my life kind of no, hurting. It's, I need a couple extra seconds yeah. to get out of the recliner. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but when you, the, all the nice thing about that is that all of that pain, like every time you're sore, you're thinking I'm sore because I did this thing that felt really good. Yeah. And, uh, 
I there was a soreness as you get older your body just hurts <laughs> yeah. and so like I'm sore now from sitting all day yeah right like that's I'm sore from the opposite of exercise <laughs> and like uh someone had said uh I think it's on Twitter or something it's like when I stand up my body sounds like rice krispies that you just poured the milk into <laughs> and and it's funny but it's it's kind of true like my knee makes a noise when yeah. I walk upstairs and it's just like a it's tiny little like and it's just enough as like, I'm not that old, but it's still like, oh, I guess. And at one, when I turned 30, there was a couple of things that my body was sore. And it was like, you're still coming out of your 20s where you're just like, I invincible. treat my body like it's just invincible. Yeah. And I still kind of treat my body like that, which is stupid. Uh, but I was like, my knee's sore all the time. And I told the doctor and he's like, he like asked me a couple of questions like, is this, 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 this? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, does it hurt with all these things? He's like, no. And it's like, okay, well. Yeah, that's just what your knee feels like now. He's like, wait, no, like, give me something to do. He's like, no, it's just, it's probably just going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, all Thanks, right. Doc. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, man. you're, I mean, you're this age, your body should just start hurting. Yeah. So, but I, I think, I mean, to keep all this, uh, oh, there's the bells that you can't yeah. hear on this. I realized you can't. No, you can't. Okay. Um, but uh, I think that sometimes we, we want it both ways. We either want the things that we enjoy should feel good all the time. Right. We want the pleasure without the pain. Or we get this sense of if something is worthwhile, it should hurt. Yeah. And neither ne- ne- always Yeah, true. neither of those are true. And and especially in, uh, I, I think we feel that way with accomplishment. Like we celebrate people who have had to struggle. We don't like people who like were born with things. And even the people that were born with things that we want to respect, we fabricate some story about how, well, they worked, they only got a million dollar loan from their father, and that's yeah. why they were able to build their <laughs> Whoever yeah. are you talking about? Anybody, yeah. I think. That's <laughs> yeah, talking about Colonel Sanders. Uh, so, but that kind of stuff, like we kind of make stuff up so that they can be respectable so that they've earned it because we have this kind of Horatio Alger, pull yourself up from your bootstraps kind right. of narrative in America. And so, narr- America needs to be self made people. And if you're not, and self-made people had to struggle, and that has to be part of the story. And if you if you didn't struggle, then you're not valid. And if it didn't hurt, then it what well, you didn't earn it. Yeah. And that is garbage. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if we we kind of tell people, and the same in the church. So we have there's a lot a lot of people in the church, whether they admit it or not, kind of feel just in faith in general feel like they're supposed to to they need to earn it. Yeah. And so we have, I mean, to get to like the story of the prodigal, um, you got, it's really the story of these two sons. So you got the son who makes all the mistakes and then comes back and the father just forgives him because he loves him and not because the son asked for forgiveness. He doesn't really, he just comes back because he wants a job because he's hungry. Like he's not saying, I'm sorry. He's saying I'm hungry and you pay people well, so can I have a job? Right. Um, and the older brother who did everything right. And when you hear that story for most of us, the reason why we leave the older brother out is that most of us are the older brother and most of us are thinking, yeah. I worked hard for this and I've had this strong faith of Jesus. And so I shouldn't get cancer. Right. And I shouldn't like have these bad things happen to my life. Like why do good things happen to, to why do bad things happen to good people? They, that question in and of itself implies a precondition that bad things aren't supposed to happen yeah. to people who do good things. Right. So if you have earned the right to not have anything bad happen to you. And likewise, that bad people should not have good stuff happen to you because they've earned the right to only have bad things happen to you. So there's a, the the question in and of itself uh, implies a certain level of justice Mm -hmm. that we earn the the good things that happen to us in life and we earn the bad things that happen to us in life. And that's just not the reality. And the same way that we also kind of advertise a faith that is 
we we we've <laughs> we use scripture to to make it seem like oh once you become christian nothing bad will happen to you so untrue and we say it's i mean and it's in not only is it untrue but the bible tells us it's not yeah, true right so one of my favorite verses is uh, jeremiah i think it's in 29 and it's uh i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans yep. to prosper you into to give coffee you a, mug a hope and a future yeah. yeah and and i say that oftentimes and plans not to harm you but to give you a hope and a future and I, I often categorize it as like it's cross stitched in your grandma's house somewhere yep. <laughs> over a bathroom. <laughs> and that's a great verse. And it's true. The problem is right before that and right <laughs> after that, if you read the whole chapter, not even the whole chapter, just read like the whole paragraph. Yep. God is saying so he's talking to people in the exile. So this is uh, this is uh, the Babylon. So uh, Babylon, uh, which is modern day Iraq. So the, the empire of Babylon comes into the, the kingdom of Judah, which is the last kingdom of Israel at that point. And they basically kidnap all the people who have any skill, yep. all the learned people and all the skilled people. And they just take them and they take them back to Iraq and say, you live here now. And that's how, that's how <laughs> you that's, work for us. That's how the Babylonian empire worked. Like some empires would go and just kill everybody. Some would go and say like the Roman empire does later and just says, you can still be here. You just have to, you now are Romans. Right. And if you mess with us, we're going to kill you. But if you don't mess with us, then we're, you're fine. You can live your life. You can speak your language. You just have to give us taxes and then you're good. Yeah. Um, and the Babylonians did this weird thing where they just would kidnap the best people and bring them there. So like Daniel's story happens in Babylon. It's, so this Babylonian exile. And basically it's this whole story where before that God said, or right after that says, God says, I have a plan and it's not going to harm you. And it's prospering and it's giving you hope in a future. And it's not going to happen for 70 years. <laughs> you yeah. probably aren't going to see it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's happening right now, but you're going to be stuck in this for another 70 years. So build houses, get married to people who are not of your people. So yeah. it, uh, this whole idea that we need to remain pure and only marry people over clans. Don't do, marry Babylonians. These are fine people. Have yeah. a life. You're going to be okay. So basically saying it'll all work out in the end. If it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end. Right. But it's you you probably it's going to be for your kids or their kids or something like that so yeah. this idea that uh when we t pull out verses that make it seem in the i can do all things through christ who strengthens me again the steph curry verse i yeah. still can't hit a baseball yeah like, and it happens like it's paul saying that and right after that he says i'm in jail and it's pretty terrible <laughs> yep and i probably I would be happy to die right now and yeah. I'm probably going to die and to live is Christ to die is gain. So he's saying like, I would love to die. Like I mm -hmm. just, I'm tired of this. Be very and if okay I die, it'd be awesome. Cause I get to go to heaven. But if I don't die, that's also awesome. Cause I get to tell you and more people about Jesus. Yeah. And that's pretty great too. So when you realize that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, it's not about hitting jump shots or, or like finishing this race. It's saying, even though life sucks, I can still do this Yeah, because either way is good. Well, if I, I die, I go to heaven. And if I live, I get to talk about Jesus more. Right. And I think that pulls it all full circle, which is nice because, you know, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, yeah. But I think both responses of, you know, the, the why do bad things happen to good people, everything should be smooth, everything's good, and the other side of the vindictive, like, I need to suffer to earn my keep, miss the wonder yeah. That, that is available in the life of Christ. And my favorite heretic, Rob Bell, pointed out <laughs> in that prodigal story when the older son's being snotty and saying, you know, what you never give me anything I want. Yeah. Jesus could have put any line in that God figure's mouth of the father. Yeah. He could have had him say anything. Yeah. And chose to have him say, you are always with me. Yeah. And everything I have is yours. Yeah. And Essentially, this son of yours 
yeah was dead and now he's alive yeah like he puts it on him he's like don't don't say this is my son or this brother of yours yeah this brother of yours he so he even reconnects him to the to the brother in that yeah yeah but like basically pick your head up look around You've got it pretty good here, man. Yeah, be okay bad. with that. Yeah. Be okay with that. What do you want? That. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think that's what God is constantly saying to us is like, hey, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Yeah. Even well, when it sucks. Yeah. Why are these bad things happening to me? Yeah. But there's also good things. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's rough to ride a mile, but look up. Mm-hmm. This is there's beauty all around you. Yeah. Yeah. Take your head up. And this, that whole, the, I love this, the, the whole, and, and it's exercise, it's riding bikes, it's all the, and it's not even just that physical stuff. Like it's when we're working on academic things or doing a job, like in, yeah. in, if we have a job that if you're in school, if you're in college, if you, if you're working through something that's real rough, we can get overwhelmed by the suffering and even turn ourselves into martyrs that yeah. we're like, look at how hard I've worked for this and no one respects me. Yeah. And we all go through that. So like, I'm not mocking that. No, that no, that's, that's me. Those are seasons oh, that's me. Like, that was literally right before yeah. we sat down in this podcast, I was complaining about this week and how yeah. hard I've been working. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all have time and we want people to be like, oh man, that's really rough for you. It yeah. Must, must be really working hard. Man, uh, things are going to turn around like, and yeah, they will, but maybe not for another 70 years. Yeah. So that the idea that God being in control means that things will be sunshine and lollipops all the time is just not true. No. And what a crappy God that would be. Oh my gosh. And you can't, you can't find salamanders if you don't go digging in the mud. Yeah. You can't see the joy of what it's like to see Pittsburgh in the way that you saw it unless you ride a bike. You can't see it in a car and not in the same way because you're going too fast because you can't stop on the bridge in a car and you can't, uh, you aren't present enough to see it that sometimes God is going to put us in places that we would not have seen something had we not been in this situation. The one time, one of the times I felt the closest to God I had, we was in college. I went on this trip to Italy. I only been overseas two times. Uh, one was to Italy uh, in college and or three times I went to Belize on a mission trip, uh, but then went to Israel last year, hmm. um, Israel, Palestine. And, and um, the one time I'd been up for like, 40 hours because we flew there and I just can't sleep on planes because yeah. I'm too excited. Oh yeah. Right. And, uh, so we were, um, at the very, I was tired and we like everybody on the trip is with a group of people that I had just met. And, um, we were going to do this mission thing that was like six weeks long. And, um, uh, everybody on the trip was whining and complaining and they were really rough and it was hard to deal with them. And I was exhausted of them. Uh-huh. I was like, and it was exhausted of this trip that had just started and I hadn't slept. <laughs> and we were sitting one. on top of on this patio that was on the top of a building. So I was sitting on the edge of a building, not on like, like with, and I could have easily just fallen off and died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the midst of that, God just sent this breeze uh-huh. or a breeze happened and I realized it. And, and I, I mean, I kind of get, I bristle when people eat like, God, yeah, God gave me this God, thing. Yeah, and right. God, yeah. That breeze was just for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, a breeze happened and I could sense like God was there kind of uh-huh. saying, Hey, look at how nice this is. Look at where you are. You're in Italy. It's this beautiful place. Yeah. And look at these people. Yeah. They're annoying, but so are you. <laughs> and they're fun and there's an adventure here and there's all kinds of things that are going to happen and you don't even know yet. Yeah. And it changed my whole perspective. Just this one little breeze that just kind of woke me up a little bit, just enough to sit up. And then also <laughs> the people saw me and was like, "Whoa, you shouldn't sit there. They made me not sit on the ledge. Cause <laughs> I guess I looked like I had been up for 40 hours. Yeah. Uh, but just things like that, where sometimes something will happen. will just strike you in the right place. You have to be present for it. Yeah. The, um, uh, just real quick, the, one of the best stories, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story when Elijah meets God. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Elijah, who's had the roughest of goes like everybody. Uh, he had just had this great victory on Mount Carmel where he had uh, came up against Bathsheba, who's this terrible queen who's killing all the prophets. And she had all these false prophets and he challenged them and he won to prove that God was real and Baal was not. And Baal was this terrible God that was all about killing people and self flagellation and maceration yeah. and, and cutting yourself and just terrible, terrible things. And so prove that God is real. And then, um, and then kills all the, all the bad guys. So that, there's that part of the story. Which <laughs> the part really you know, and then Bathsheba like sends out this hit on him and has already killed most of the prophets. And now she's like, now I'm going to kill you. And so he goes into hiding and he's, and he like calls out to God. He's like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. And God's like, well, come up here and see me. So he climbs up on this mountain and when he gets up on the mountain, there's this huge like thunderbolt and it seems like that's where God should be, but it says God wasn't in there. And then right. there's a huge fire. It seems like that's what God would be in. This is like my ex exhibition of power. And the huge fire also, like the story right before that where he beat the prophets of Baal was because the huge ball of fire shows right. up and that's God. And so, so the huge ball. Pre previous experience. Exactly. God He's like, well, that should be God. Before, yeah. But even Elijah knows, well, that's not God. Mm -hmm. And then there's an earthquake and that's not God. And then there's silence. It's not even just wind. It's like there's si there's nothing. Yeah. And that's where God was. And all that kind of makes me realize that God is here all the time, but sometimes usually we're filling our lives with noise, whether it's actual noise or it's just our need to prove that we're worth it or our need to prove that we are suffering or our yeah. need for someone to say, you're doing a good job or like, wow, life's really hard for you. Um, and, or we're just looking for God in spectacle and miracles and things like that. And sometimes we just need to stop and realize, oh, God is just in the sunset over Pittsburgh. Yeah. Or God is in a light little breeze. Or God is in blueberry coffee. Mm. Check us up on uh, Rough the Pastor on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Roughing the Pastor on Instagram. Uh, it's great to hear from people. So the more you can let us know, let us know uh, topics you want to hear about, comments on this one. Uh, what's a good question for them specific for that? You're always really good at coming up with questions for people to reply to. I think the best question to be asking at this point would be where has God shown up in your life in unexpected places? Oh, yeah, I like that one. If you tell me the church, I'm going to throw you through a plate glass window. <laughs> Don't do that. Where has God shown up? I really want people to tell Jason that so that he was constantly there. You'll have to find so many plate glass so windows. So many plate glass windows, but that's fine. Uh, the, 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 where do you find God where you least expect to find him? Yeah, and especially like the simple things like where you were surprised mm -hmm. by like, oh, I was at this point, and then all of a sudden I had this awareness that God was there. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be something big. Like both of our stories don't have like, and then I knew what to do with my life. Yeah, like no. it wasn't revelation. It was just, it was just like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. And even with Elijah, that's the story. God just like, hey, Elijah, what's up? Boy, isn't that almost always enough? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a recognition of like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do that on the Twitters uh, and, and on the Instas and uh, all those things. Okay. You can come in, Bartleby. All right. What do we got here? Okay. Oh, it looks like we did pretty good. I will say I'll, I'll do Bartleby's job for him. Okay. It was Jezebel. Not Jezebel, not, not Bathsheba. Bathsheba was David's David. affair. Yeah. Oh, Jezebel. So Bartleby dropped the ball on that one. But... No, I think Bartleby had it here. Oh, you got he? him. You got him I first. Got him first. Okay. Thank you so much. Right. Back to work. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Bartleby. Okay. So uh, I think that's good. So I've been. I'm Jay. <laughs> no, you got to say. Here, I've been Jay. No, wait. Here. You've been Jay. Yeah. And you've been Tyler. And we've been Roughing, roughing the, the Pastor. pastor. <laughs> See you next week, guys. <laughs>